The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Denny Carter, Kyle Dvorak, Patrick Crane. Cannot be with us today. And, you know, we're back to talk about football after one of the strangest, definitely the most somber weeks we've ever had working at this website. Just uh, the worst possible, most brutal reminder of how brutal this game is. And, Denny Carter, you you wrote something about it on our website. Yeah. Uh, extremely good article. Please check it out. If you have not, but yeah, I mean, I thought your thoughts on it were really, really honestly just perfect. Thank you. Yeah. You know, uh, kind of felt compelled to write it because of the, you know, feelings that's that you have covering the league and covering fantasy football and then seeing something like this happen and you, you, you want to draw from it what you can. And I, and I think one, one thing that we can draw from, from this, this horrible incident, um, is the humanity of football players. Uh, and it's something that can be so easily lost. So if you don't mind, I just wanted to read one little snippet uh, from the piece, uh, which you all can find on the website. Uh, football players openly weeping and holding each other. It tugs at your humanity in a way other spectacles cannot. It's so regrettably easy to forget these gladiators are indeed human in many ways as frail and vulnerable as you and me. To watch them express their humanity in such a raw manner would make anyone well up with emotion. And I can speak for myself when I say that, you know, seeing players reaction uh, on Monday night in Cincinnati, you know, really it, it hit me in a way that I, I guess I wasn't expecting it to, but you, you see, you see grown people express that kind of emotion uh, and you're wondering what are they seeing? What are they feeling? It just, it really, like I said, tugs at you and, I think it's a good reminder for all fantasy football players uh, that we play a game, a, a nerdy game within a game, and that these are real people on the field. Real, and yeah, I mean, you say we forget the humanity, and like we focus a lot of times on like the negative way we forget the humanity, like you know, people tweeting like horrible things on players too, at players. But we also forget too, like the superhuman things they seemingly do. I mean, it's like even the good stuff they do comes right. at a price too, yes. and like right. how how much work, how much dedication, how much just risk goes into that. And yeah, it was not the reminder we wanted, but it was a reminder that we like just the most brutal possible reminder of those facts. And let's try to do a better job of not forgetting it maybe going forward. And 
We are going forward. Got to talk about week 18. Uh, Got to talk about Saturday, Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, the Chiefs can now we, – we're recording this where we don't know, actually, what the NFL's ruling is on the, the Bengals-Bills uh, situation. It appears they're going to declare it a no contest, and it would seem that the Chiefs then could wrap up the number one seed based on winning percentage uh, if they beat the, the Raiders on Saturday where they're nine-point favorites in a 52-total total affair. Again, we do not know. You might know by the time you're listening to this podcast. Hopefully you will know by the time you're listening to this podcast because – I have to assume the NFL is making a decision for Saturday, but Kyle, yeah, uh, you get the you get to start talking about normal football now. Uh, <laughs> the, so you get you get the awkward segue here because we're here to talk about football, and we're here to talk specifically about the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Sky Moore ruled out for this game after getting four, I believe, a career high four targets in Week 17. No, he had six targets a few times earlier this year. What is the lay of the land with the Chiefs receivers? Where Sky Moore's out, Michael Hardman is returning ahead of the playoffs. Yeah, I think this game probably won't be the most realistic depiction of what we see in the playoffs because, like you said, we're getting potentially Kadarius Tony, Michael Hardman back, no Sky Moore. So it's rotating pieces of players who haven't played in weeks and then one player who has played for weeks and will now be out of the lineup. I think in the long term, I know you guys talked about it, I think on the Monday show, just the insane efficiency that we've seen from Kadarius Tony when he's on the field at converting his just raw snaps into targets and then yards and touchdowns. And I think that has to be the long term plan you don't pay what they paid for him to not have him be eventually and especially with mvs has to be off the roster maybe they don't choose to to take whatever money they are forced to eat and cut him next year but he will probably be off the or off the roster within a year or two then juju smith schuster a free agent you have to think of Darius tony is the future so maybe it's not in this week maybe if you're thinking about it from a dfs angle it is more of a complete toss-up between them and justin watson who ever since they lost tony and lost mbs it really has been justin watson who in terms of snaps not production but snaps has been forced to step up. But I think as we look towards the playoffs, this should be a team that wants to utilize Kadarius Tony more. And, and I could even see them playing Miko Hardman straight up over MVS, who has been essentially a wind sprinter, not that much different than Justin Watson, simply a pumped up version and a far more expensive version of him. It seemed like Miko Hardman was kind of taking on a bigger role before he got hurt too, where he was kept scoring in fantasy and kind of like weird. I know he had a few rushes, apparently he only had four rushes, but yeah, Miko Hardman had gone over 30 yards, four straight weeks before his injury. He'd scored in three straight games. Kind of forgot about that. And Denny, before you jump, jump in real quick, I think Darius Tony is like, might be like one of the X factors of the entire like playoff tournament, which I mean, I, the second Kadarius Tony gets healthy, we all start talking about him. Like he's like the next Antonio Brown. But, but for um, good reason. Yeah. And like the chiefs, they still, they just have not had that second playmaker develop behind Travis Kelsey still this season. I mean, Jarek McKinnon has kind of done it. Juju Smith-Schuster has kind of done what Juju Smith-Schuster has done. Like, if you talk about, like, throwing the ball to someone, like, if you need a play, the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey, and they still don't have that second guy. And this is hard not to, like, shake the feeling that it should and maybe could be Kadarius Tony in the biggest games of the entire year. I, I could see it happening. Uh, you know, the, the Chiefs coaches uh, and Travis Kelsey himself have, have talked – uh, you know, very highly, a lot, a lot of praise. Is Kelsey Tony pilled too? He's Tony pilled for sure. Uh, we don't know if he's Dorch pilled, but we, no, we do know not. that he is, that he is Tony pilled. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, if he, when he's on the field, he commands targets because he gets open because he's an electric player, 26% uh, rate, a target per route run rate, you know, as a chief. So it's just, it, it, I could see that 
unfolding. I wanted to quickly mention with the Chiefs receivers, Juju is 102 yards away from 1,000 yards on the season. Um, I don't know how important that is to Andy Reid, to Mahomes, to Juju himself, but I, th- I think it is worth noting, especially as Mahomes chases uh, history here with the all-time, with the single-season yardage record. Yeah, what is it? He's 430 yards away from the yeah. single-season yardage right. record. And, of course, sadly, we have to asterisk that um, since it's the 17th game, Denny. And i will going to go to my grave as a curmudgeon. Um, <laughs> so it's not a real record, right? Um, uh, well, if Mahomes played in the 90s, he'd have thrown for 7,000 yards. Like those, <laughs> Or you could argue if he played in the 90s, you know, he would have – like they uh, – did some big hits back then. Um, it's uh, kind of like the, he's slippery. He's avoiding those. That's true. He actually would have really avoided. He would have been amazing mm-hmm. in the nineties. Mm-hmm. But and the thing is, in the nineties, they lowered their helmets so low to the ground that they didn't see anything. They didn't have any good vision there. So he was he was ducking them left and right for sure. But don't ever go back and look up Troy Aikman's like Pro Football Reference or even like John Elway's. Um, like <laughs> so, like so they would be like they'd be like Zach Wilson level stats today. But it was just such a different game. I actually. I will defend the guys like Troy Aikman and John Elway. People pull up Troy Aikman's pro football reference like this guy was a plumber, like playing quarterback. But it was just a, a t- I actually am a big believer in the hashtag different era. And yeah, that the stats are doesn't doesn't telling. Dan Marino have like legit 2024 era stats like he, yeah, he does. his stats all look like they could they would be very, very good for this era, which is hilarious when you don't need to error adjust. And if you did, they would just blow your mind. It's true. And like Kyle, like like. We say this a lot, like joking, like you're like you're too young to remember this. You actually are like too young to remember. Like Denny, when Dan Marino like retired, he was like kind of talked about as like the greatest quarterback who had ever played. And it was really unfortunate for him that he never got like the Super Bowl. But yeah, he was three decades ahead of his time. Yeah, basically. yeah. I mean, his his eighties seasons, some of his early eighties seasons were just off the charts. No one had even thought about those numbers. Like like a quarterback could achieve. Those numbers, I, I I do think you know as a I was a big Marino guy as a kid. At, did he be, it, did he become a choker? He, well, no, no, he was no he was he was great under pressure. Um, we'd have to look at the analytics to to confirm that. But uh, his his last five seasons were pretty sad, um, and I, I think that they that kind of colors the way people remember him. He probably should have retired several years before he did the Jimmy Johnson era with him was a complete debacle and it was so totally predictable, but man, yes, Kyle is right. You don't have to adjust those numbers from the eighties. You You do have to adjust your glasses when you check out the final score to Dan Marino's final career game, a 62 to seven playoff loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was in a ski lodge watching that, trying not to cry. Trying not to please (laughs) give me a break. Um, Yeah, exactly. So we're talking about one goat quarterback, Dan Marino, Denny, to now the the new goat, the new goat quarterback, Jarrett Stidham of the Vegas Raiders, threw for more yards than Derek Carr had all season in Week 17. Threw for three touchdowns, a number Derek Carr had reached only twice. A 52 total in this game. The Raiders are nine point dogs. Teams throw against the Chiefs because that's what you have to do yeah. to try to keep up. Is it Stid season for Week 18? <laughs> well, I actually think he's very volatile type of option either for DFS or if you're for some reason still playing redraft uh, this week. Uh, yes, the Chiefs are a, a pass funnel, not not an extreme one, a slight a slight pass funnel. And that's sort of changed over the past month or so. Um, but Stidham was very aggressive last week and it, and it, and it paid off. He had the, the second uh, second highest downfield passing rate of week 17. And guys, can I can I 
ask you to guess who had the highest downfield passing rate of week 17. The highest downfield passing rate of week 17. Not Daniel Jones, because Josh Dobbs. <laughs> I didn't see any. Oh, right, that's a funny guess. Is that yeah. that's a no, funny I was guess. trying to think of the dumbest possible guess. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking Denny's setting us up for the dumbest possible answer, yeah. I assume. Um yeah. uh what other terrible I don't Sam Darnold? Desmond not even dumb enough. Darnold's close. Darnold's close. <laughs> Mac Jones. Oh, oh my word. And he might be getting Devontae Parker back this week. We'll talk about that in a minute yeah. when they play Mac, the Buffalo Bills. Mac Jones, I, I couldn't believe it. I uh, had to update the spreadsheet several times. You had to adjust uh, the ranks, literally. Yeah. And, uh, and the, yeah, like Kyle said, you know, Darnold was up there. Only Darnold last week had more yards on downfield passing attempts than Stidham. So, you know, like I said, very aggressive, obviously just chucking it up for Devontae Adams, which is good. You know, it, 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 can, it can work. It does work more often than not. Um, but I, I, I think that that, you know, no rushing, you're getting no rushing out of Stidham. So I, I, I think that you know, it's a little bit, a little bit of a, a volatile option. Volatile option. I, so you can, we're not, we're not trying to like, uh, scold our audience, but yeah, you should not be playing week 18 redraft, but some people are, I did do week 18 rankings. I'll be honest, it's pretty hard to do a good job with these. And <laughs> I have Stidham's like the QB 16. So it's honestly probably too optimistic. It's like the classic. That's fair though, because there are so many quarterbacks we can like pretty safely assume are not getting a full a full four yeah, quarters. Yeah, yeah. So just to we know for sure he's getting a full four quarters and a high scoring affair. Like that's QB sixteen. I think. I fair. think yeah, and it could easily be. We know it could easily be QB twelve, like yeah. an or higher. Like is he is he is he tournament chalk? Is is he cash? Well, it's, chalk? The, it's the two game slate because. Oh, that's Saturday. right. Denny and I talked about this on Monday. We already had some sicko talk about Stidham. Yeah. Short well, I, I I actually, if you don't mind, I wanted to ask Kyle about his thoughts on 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 this because I'm I've built way too many uh, lineups for Saturday. Uh, do you hand? Is there any chance you're a hand builder, right? I, I, I do the hand building. Yes. Uh, is there any chance that Trevor Lawrence goes under rostered? Oh yeah. I think um, he's the key to the Saturday slate, just to be honest. I, I don't know because I haven't looked yet, but you probably want, uh, I guess there's not a lot of expensive players to pay up for in the slate, right? It's going to be Travis Kelsey, Mahomes and Derek Henry. There's not, That's right. yeah. I mean, Jacobs and Adam. So maybe I would think it's possibly Stidham that goes, I think it's got to be like 80% of all roster ship goes to the two quarterbacks we care about. And maybe those two flip on like Mahomes should be, you know, 48 and he's 42. But I do think maybe Stidham could be the one based solely on the fact that if you need to have Travis Kelsey, Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, the only way to get them in would be Stidham. Right. But like it, it would just be a roster construction thing. It's not even like I think he has that great of a chance, obviously, of being the highest scoring quarterback. But if he drops what if he did what he did last week, even a little less, even if it's bad, even if it's ugly, that is certainly enough to give him a, a very strong chance of being in the winning lineup, assuming that both Adams and Henry and probably Kelsey, who are all great players, they all drop 30. You need all three of them, and maybe Stidham is the one that makes it work. Dobbs is the one who I just, I can't, no 1% ownership. Maybe it should be going. Dobbs because I no, kept coming I back no. to the fact that like it's Mahomes is going to have huge roster shift because hey, yeah. he's Patrick Mahomes. And then like uh, Stidham, Mike, just because he's the plausible cheap one, like the cheap one who might, oh. you know. So then it led me to Lawrence. Is- it led me to Lawrence. Mm-hmm. It led me to Lawrence. Oh, I'd be fine if it's Lawrence, but I just, I couldn't do Dobbs. No, yeah, don't do Dobbs. Well, oh, no, clearly it's got to be Dobbs. Dom- <laughs> Listen, Dobbs. And, and oh, Robert yeah. Woods or Traylon Burks is like Kyle has said, God level leverage off of Derrick Henry. Uh, <laughs> get, man. get off of Derrick Henry. Go with those guys. 
Enough and Derek Henry, we got to get off this game because we've spent a yeah. long time. We were planning to go faster today and <laughs> spend about 10 minutes on the famous last game. words. Famous last words. The famous last words which bring us to the most famous game of week 18, the Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC South championship game. Denny, speaking of Josh Dobbs, uh, yeah. we have to actually talk about him now. How does he affect this game? In my notes, I put, how does Dobbs affect game lol question mark lol <laughs> I, um, I saw that well okay uh i you know we spent a ton of time on the first game I'll, I'll just say this with malik willis under center the titans would have never thrown 39 times like they did against the cowboys last week that just would not have happened with willis so the the you know possibility of throwing 30 to 40 times if if the titans are chasing points here against jacksonville is now there so we have to take that into account for the two game slate and but you know the the adjusted yards per attempt is pretty similar to willis 5.3 for dobbs 4.3 for willis so it's a ton of chuck uh, chuck down check down stuff mm-hmm. uh you're, you're not some chuck get. down some chucks down the field that's right uh, and, and uh, it feels like with these weak arm quarterbacks whenever they are throwing like a you know a seven yard out they're chucking it all the way down seven yards but far to the sideline so it's a pretty far throw for their arms but it, it puts, um, you know, j- just the potential for increased pass volume in a negative game script puts Chig in play, which which he he's not in play if Willis is under center. It puts no. Burks if he's able to play because I know he mispracticed. He's going to play. Mike Vrabel said Thursday he's probably okay. going to play. It just seems like they're being cautious right. in practice. So it, it puts these guys in play just based solely on the fact that they're not going to throw 14 times like they did with Willis. Throw 14 times, maybe complete like five of them, yeah, like right. 32 yards. Uh, so Josh Dobbs, I think Denny and Kyle both agree the key to the entire Saturday slate. <laughs> it's, just, it's very obvious. Kyle, what is the state of the Jaguars pass catchers heading into this game, heading into the playoffs? Things have just become quite muddled between Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and like Evan Ingram, like going like Tony Gonzalez mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, what, what is going on with the Jaguars pass catchers? I mean, you, you laid it out. It's muddled. In the past five weeks, they have three guys over a 20%, 20% target share, but Evan Ingram only leads the way at 26, which is great for a tight end. That's kind of the one differentiator is when you've got two receivers both flip-flopping at 22 23%. It is hard to choose, but when you've got one player who's eligible for a terrible position in tight end, you're like jamming Evan Ingram. So that's kind of the one differentiator. I will say versus the early part of the season, Marvin Jones has, has almost completely been phased out. I know he went 661 last week on seven targets, but over the past five weeks, his target share is down to 13%. His snaps are also falling. We've seen a little bit of the backup tight ends giving them some extra run too. I would have said week seven or eight. Sure, it's a high-scoring game. If it was a high-scoring game, throw some, you know, it's a good matchup for the outside receivers versus the Titans. Throw some Marvin Jones in there. I mean, I guess technically because it's a two-game slate, you could still do it. But if it were a full slate, I'd say no way, obviously. We're just he, – he's kind of been phased out. He's the reason we can have, like, back-to-back blow-up spots for someone like Zay Jones or we can have multiple of the receivers go off or at least have usable fantasy, fantasy days. It's because Marvin Jones is getting phased out. Uh, sorry, I was, I, was, uh, I was trying to think of it. It was always Marvin Jones' joke. If you didn't talk about him, but then you talked about him quite eloquently. I was going to act like he was going to be the key to the Jags receiver core. And now I'm just explaining a really unfunny joke. Um, uh, Jaguars tight ends, by the way, 15 receptions last time these play, these two teams played. Who? I mean, Dan Arnold and and who? Arnold. It, was Evan, it was the Evan Ingram new guy. Yeah, think. yeah. Okay, right. never mind. I mean, yeah. it was 12, 12 from Ingram and then the rest. Who's the backup? Well, Chris Manhurts. Arnold and, yeah, uh, 
Arnold and Manhurts, yeah. Yeah. Wow, Chris Manhurts. We love our Chris Manhurts. We do. Uh, the New England Patriots hosting the Buffalo Bills. The Bills, seven-point road favorites. The Bills, of course, in a very unsettled situation still. I mean, doesn't the Associated Press has reported the Bengals-Bills game will not be resumed. The Bills are going to need to win this game. The Bills, thankfully, have gotten very good news on DeMar Hamlin's health as the week has progressed. Hopefully that remains uh, good heading into the weekend. Kind of, you know, so just a strange game, a very, very strange game atmosphere. Kyle, I'll actually start with the Patriots, where I didn't know the Mac Jones was throwing downfield uh, more than any quarterback in Week 17. Uh, so is Ramondre Stevenson having his workload curtailed because Damian Harris is back. Ramondre hasn't had, didn't have the greatest month of December, where he uh, literally single-handedly gave a game away. Uh, had a oh he that was more Jacoby Myers than Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's on Myers. Had a fumbling December, let's put it that way, and has been kind of wearing down a little bit. Damian Harris is back. Is Ramondre Stevenson having his workload curtailed? We don't have a lot of sample to work with, so I don't want to completely give up. Last week was bad, though. It was tough. We got 57% snaps. That was his lowest in a healthy game since week four. 10 touches was his lowest in a game since tying that at week one. Damian Harris, on the other hand, nine carries, three targets. And the worst part of it all was, uh, man, it was 50% route rate on terms of routes he ran on on uh, Mac Jones dropbacks. That is not what we are. We're playing for, as Denny would call it, the PPR scam and the long runs. But First off, I coined that, by the way, not Denny. <laughs> Denny um, seems to love to point out that Ramondre mm-hmm. is, uh, is a six catches, 18 yards kind of guy or whatever. Yeah, right. But he also breaks. He's an incredible runner. And, and he, he's a good pass catcher, I think, although the results have mostly been in terms of volume. But... Uh, we didn't see that last week, right? We didn't see the volume last week, neither through the air nor on the ground. Heading into last week, Ramondre hadn't had a full practice since heading into week 14. And Damian Harris had been practicing but not playing for a while. So I think their health... Real almost, long time. Yeah, man. I think their health is almost trending in the wrong direction where we saw, like, it was the Cardinals game a few weeks ago that Ramondre got very hurt and didn't finish the game and didn't practice, like, didn't get a full practice in ever since then and was limited and not practicing for a while. So I think it makes sense in terms of player health standpoint. If you've got Damian Harris, who is probably relatively fresh, and Ramondre, who has just been, like, he has been a workhorse and it has been taking a toll on him, I kind of think it makes sense for them to continue to split work. Stevenson was entirely off the practice report this week, so maybe there's some optimism for a rebound, but I wouldn't count on it. Reminder, Stevenson's 14 yards shy of 1,000 on the ground. And you know, speaking of Denny calling him a PPR scam, he does have 64 catches for three, 393 yards. That is 6.1 yards per catch, which you know, running back, the kind of 8.0 is kind of the cutoff for like what you want. I mean, 7.0, you, you really need to get there. 6.1, uh, you might want to be directing those targets somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, you look at the spreadsheet, you watch the film, it's just yeah. catch and fall down. You look at the dots, the dot doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. Denny, so the Bills, what kind of offense do we expect the Bills to play against the Patriots? Really, what kind of offense do we expect the Bills to play during the postseason? I know Corrine has talked about them getting much more run pass neutral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They kind of did the same thing last year where they ramped up their rushing attack late in the year. Then they did go pretty pass heavy in the playoffs. What do we expect from the Bills offense? Well, I, I think, you know, like a lot of good teams, a lot of good teams, like the Eagles, basically, <laughs> the Bills have, have showed a, a willingness to attack a weak run defense. And, you know, they're not just going to establish the pass over and over and over again if – you can be uh, exploited on the ground. 
And so if I could just read some pass rate over expected numbers uh, from the Buffalo offense. I, fi- I was hoping I figured you, I thought you would pick up Crane's baton and do this if he wasn't here. So I'm, I'd be interested to hear these. He gave me half his winnings, best ball winnings to do this. So, <laughs> um, so his pa- pass rate over expected for Buffalo uh, over the past four weeks, uh, minus three, two, one, zero. This is uh, very vastly different than we saw early in the season. And um, it has meant more work for James Cook. It has meant more work for Devin Singletary. Um, it is me. It has meant that there's Stefan Diggs and nobody else really in that passing game um, because of Josh Allen's propensity to take off and, and, and run himself. Now, New England is one of the league's most extreme pass funnels. So I, I don't know if they're going to try that this week. Um, but it's worth noting going down the line, you know, if you plan on playing DFS in the postseason, if the Bills face a team that can be had on the ground, they're probably going to try it. Just keep that in mind. I feel like, man, they do try it during the regular season. I do feel like like the Bills are really good when it's a big game. Like they don't mess around. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's fun to pretend like we might run in December. But in January, I don't know if they'll actually do that. But I don't know, teams don't usually pass up those opportunities to run the ball. So mm-hmm. bring, that brings us to Lions, Packers, the other biggest game of the week. Real quick, Kyle. So Packers are four and a half point home favorites. They win. They are in the playoffs. What, what's the deal with the Lions motivation? Like, could Lions they need, a- need Lions need a win and a Seattle loss. Seattle kicks off and will finish before them. Though, I like it strikes me as this would be true of most coaches, but especially true of Dan Campbell. If he spends seven consecutive days preparing his starters to play, they will play. Like I think for especially, uh, you know, even if they're eliminated, there are some other teams that will prepare to start and get locked in, which maybe could change the calculus for them. Chargers are this team we'll talk about later. But I do think even if they're eliminated an hour before kickoff, maybe they're a tiny bit lighter with their injury. Someone sprains an ankle and gets pulled safely as possible. But I don't think there's any way we don't see starters for full four quarters just because of the style of this team. And there's still a decent chance they are indeed playing for a playoff spot. Yeah, and I think even if the Seahawks win, yeah, that they want to put a, like an exclamation point on what has been like their turnaround season, their comeback yes. season, especially doing so by beating the Packers in Green Bay, kind of like, knocking them out of the playoffs would be yeah. like a very triumphant right. moment, even yeah. if it's not yeah, to make a, their own playoffs. I guess a very boomer point, but like sending a message heading into 2023, like this is not the same old Lions. So, Denny, the total is currently under 50 still, but it's one of the week's highest totals. Is this game? Going to the moon was my question to you. Yeah, so the point total is going up uh, since since Monday, um, but I kind of think this profiles as a potential slog, and I take no pleasure in saying that. The um, I'm gonna look up the weather in Green Bay while you're talking too. Yeah, so last time these teams played was 15 to nine. Uh, Lions won in the dome. That was a weird game. The Packers had like a bunch of like failed goal line drives. That yes. was a really really yes, weird they did. game. You're right. You're right. Uh, I think Rogers threw his first two red zone picks since like 2008 or something. Yeah. It was something Um, crazy like that. Detroit ran 31 times in that game. Uh, Packers are still really being gashed on the ground. Obviously last week was different because the Vikings were just destroyed from the start and had no chance to do anything. But it wasn't Kirk Cousins fault, according to the people tweeting at us. Here, here are uh, people who don't take any blame. Uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, Justin Jefferson, the entire Vikings offense, every Vikings coach, the water boy, <laughs> the, the guy who dries the towels. None of those guys 
nope. are to blame. I, I we don't we're looking into who to blame. No one knows. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, and, and so you know, Green Bay ranks sixth in pressure rates this season, and we all know how Jared Goff kind of folds under pressure. They're playing more man coverage to compensate for their horrible zone defense from earlier in in this uh, season. So I I I don't know. I I I don't think the Lions can push the Packers. Is what I'm saying. And the Packers are content not scoring. Like the Packers are content scoring 13 points and winning. So I I think this could go way way under. It sounds like what you're saying. We need the Lions to get a big early lead. Yeah, um, I mean that would be nice, but like. I know this is a bad environment for Jerry Goff. We need 10 or 14 first quarter points from the Lions, I think. But yeah, the weather shouldn't be a factor. It'll be a crisp and clear 32. It'll be under freezing, but no precipitation, not under 20 degrees. So they will be able to feel their bodies and play football in Green Bay, Wisconsin on Sunday night. So yeah, I mean, any part of a shootout, Kyle, would probably require DeAndre Swift um, doing good stuff like he actually did in week 17. But I believe Justin Jackson's back practicing this week, right? Correct. Uh, I, I don't even know what my, my phrasing actually meant here. I said, are we in never again territory with DeAndre Swift? Like, uh, I don't even know what I meant. Should we cut our losses after getting one good week out of him? Or can we trust him? Because, I mean, the Packers are really, really, really bad run defense. And despite Denny's doom saying it is a good scoring environment on paper. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, maybe what you were referencing was that Justin Jackson was out. And despite that, DeAndre Swift ran her out on 40% of Jared Goff's dropbacks. He only earned a 35% snap share. It was a blowout, but they played their stars up until a final series of Neils, who maybe started to still out there for that one. They played at least everyone other than Jared Goff. The receivers and the running backs were still out there for the penultimate drive they had. And even though Justin Jackson was out, they just let uh, Craig Reynolds do the same thing. And they didn't. And the funny thing is, and I, this is probably some small semblance of strategy within their weird ideas, is that Craig Reynolds almost didn't run any routes. He just stayed out there to pass block. But that meant they weren't using DeAndre Swift on any of those passing plays. So per usual, they still ran a three back committee. It just doesn't show up in terms of touches. So. Uh, I, this is a good spot for running backs. Like, like Denny said, the, the Packers have been dreadful against the run on year. And that's exactly what the Lions want to do to you. They want to run the football, mostly with Jamal Williams. But as we've seen more recently, they're willing to push DeAndre Swift to a dozen or so touches. And as far as next year goes, it's a really weird situation because Jamal Williams coming off, what was it, 15 touchdowns? Oh, I forgot that I wrote next season. Yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking the week 18. Like, what does this even mean? Never again territory for week <laughs> 18. I was like, why did I write this? I missed the final two words of my question uh, next season. Yeah, well, Jamal Williams, a free agent. Justin Jackson, a free agent. Craig Reynolds, a free agent. They have some practice squad guy on the IR. I don't know who he is. He's not a free agent. So <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts here. I have to imagine they bring other players in. But if that player is not potentially as good as Jamal Williams, it could be a situation in which uh, we're getting sort of Tony Pollard type of usage. I was going to say, are we ever going to get our Tyler, Tony Pollard moment with this guy? Because I mean, did we? Set. I, I, he's already kind of at the Tony Pollard spot. He's maybe a little bit below it, but I think he could be that type of player where we're always begging the coach to give him 25 carries and 10 targets in a game, and it never happens. And maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but that level of volume would at least result in running back two numbers, as it ha generally has with DeAndre Swift. He does strike me as a player who we will never see the full-time role, though. He Pollarded a bit more last year than he did this year, but still yes. not 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 that much more. And you'll be paying more for him in drafts. Like Tony Pollard was drafted this year as as just the best backup in the league, right? He wasn't being drafted as if, as if he would average 15 touches a game. You're going to have to draft Swift like that. So it'll be weird. It, it really does depend a lot on how they 
spend their capital at running back though. I can see Tony Pollard being a really fiercely debated offseason ADP for a variety of reasons, by the way. Um, we'll be right back after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. It's a new era as the inaugural season of the Super Motocross World Championship gate drops this week in Anaheim. Watch Eli Tomac start his title defense live on Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern on USA and Peacock or catch an encore presentation Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Remember, you can watch all the action in 2023 live on Peacock. The New York Jets visit the Miami Dolphins, a total under 40, uh, one-point favorite for the New York Jets, who have Mike White starting quarterback. We thought that was a good thing last week, but it wasn't. He really backed up quarterback uh, really hard. And it's probably one of the big reasons why this total is under 40. Also, because the Dolphins are starting Kyler Thompson, Skyler Thompson, the one quarterback Mike McDaniel has not been able to manage and manipulate so far this season, Kyle. All that being said, I mean, 38 and a half, doesn't that feel kind of low for this total? Like, it strikes me as very low. I'll just be honest. Uh, you used two, I think, two, I guess you, maybe a few more proper nouns in the last few sentences. And they were Mike White, Skyler Thompson. And now you're saying that this total looks low. That's what you're telling me. Skylar Thompson is going to face off against Mike White. Skylar Thompson is going to face off against... It's just a bad day for Mike White last week. He'll be back this week. He might be back. He has been good in some relative degree in uh, other spots. Can't say the same with Skylar Thompson. Thompson went 17 of 33, 166 yards in an interception in week five, which he didn't start. He didn't get prepped as a starter, but he did play 99. He missed one snap. Uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater immediately got hurt. So in terms of workload, we'll call it a start was not good. Dolphins also leaned into their lack of quarterback play with a minus 8% pass rate over expected. We saw some Skylar Thompson last week. It was his highest snap share since week five, minus 6% pass rate over expected. I think we're going to, we may end up being robbed of a fun Miami offense that we kind of could even get with Teddy Bridgewater because he is at least a, a competent game manager. And when you have, he that used to be, he really kind of hasn't been this year. Yeah. He's still better than Skylar Thompson, I think. Although, I don't know, it does seem a little uh, little hair splitty. So I, I do think they play less interesting Miami football in that they pass a lot and they at least get the ball. I think the one thing we noticed a lot when they didn't have uh, didn't have Tua is we kind of saw Jalen Waddle really struggle to earn targets. It was the let's scheme everything we can for Tyreek Hill show. Maybe we see it again this week. I kind of expect we do and more running. And that's also part of the reason. More running is part of the reason we could end up seeing uh, this game 38 and a half be a correct line. 
And the Jets are a much, I mean, they're not a bad run defense, but they are an incredible pass defense. So another reason that we could see Mike McDaniel lean into the run, no fun for anyone, but that may end up being their optimal strategy. Okay. Off the top of your head, what do the Dolphins need to make the playoffs? I know they need the Patriots to lose. Uh, you know what? The, what do the Dolphins need to make the playoffs? Anybody, anybody else looking into the, anybody else? <laughs> I, I think finals? they are just they are just uh, Patriots lose and they win. Then the Steelers would be both those teams lose and Steelers win. Obviously, the, the Steelers that we can't have that happen again. Uh, that happened last year, and yeah, everyone on. remembers what happened. The Chiefs. Uh, Boy, the Steelers, remember last year, they didn't even want to make the playoffs. No. Like ben Roethlisberger got to Arrowhead Stadium. He was like, why am I here? I don't even want to be and here anymore. That's no, he did said. not even want to be there anymore. And was it he, was it the year before that that the same thing happened versus the Browns? Was that in the playoffs? No, no, they uh, definitely no, wanted that, was, that. They did want that one real bad. That was where they went down 28 nothing in the first quarter. Um, <laughs> And that's when they were—they were like a high seed. Remember that year? What they started like eleven and zero or something? Oh my! What what are the oh man? The times we've lived through. I know, and they were like everyone's like, wow, they they are really bad, but they're eleven and zero or whatever their record was. And then yeah, they got absolutely annihilated by the Browns. That was iconic, and the play was iconic. So Denny, I mean, Kyle kind of laid it out. Are the Dolphins just totally screwed with Skyler Thompson? I guess Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been officially ruled out yet, but seems like it's going to happen. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And the site, what they added Mike Glennon to the roster or whatever. Oof, yeah, that was uh, a good sign. I think it was Glennon. Uh, very clear sign that they are at least concerned, to say the least. And yeah. and they both they also listed Teddy with the knee issue that he had earlier. I mean, that one's probably closer to maintenance, but the pinky, the knee, I don't know. Texas, so, Denny, uh, you regret to inform Denny? Yeah, I mean, it's over for the Dolphins. <sighs> so let's man. just... But, you know, cut to the chase here. Skylar Thompson is like not a pro level quarterback. Uh, last week he ranked thirtieth in completion rate over expected. Uh, I don't. I, one of his twenty two attempts traveled over twenty yards downfield. So it's, everything is just near or at the line of scrimmage. Jets are a really good secondary. I think the, the Jets will eat will eat Skylar Thompson alive. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're talking about you're talking about like multiple picks guaranteed here. Um, and sacks and glory. I, yeah, we were talking before the show. I, I think, and I don't, you know, I don't do the ranks and you guys are the rankings dudes. And so I'll, I'll defer to you, but I would have a hard time ranking Tyreek Hill as a top 15 uh, wide receiver this week. Yeah. Kyle kind of called out my Tyreek Hill rank. I, I do have Tyreek in the top 10 still. Um, Cause I just have that much faith in Mike McDaniel's scheming. Like, I just think there's just no way he won't manufacture. He, it, it pretty much, this to be like the 17 out of 17 weeks he's manufactured touches for Tyree Kill. I do have enough faith in his ability to manufacture touches for Tyree Kill that I'm keeping him in the yeah. top 10. I don't know if Kyle does, though. Kyle didn't do his rankings this week, but I mean, what do you say, Kyle? I think I still will have, in the same way that uh, I kind of agree with you, he will get at a minimum manufactured touches. And even if they run their normal, which still manufacture some touches, but even if they ran their normal target distribution, that is still an incredible role. Last time we saw, uh, you know, the full, I'll call it the full, was 99% snap share from Skyler, seven for 47, plus some rushing work, 13 yards on the ground. I mean, the volume was, again, there enough. I'm probably still keeping him wide receiver one, but like, I wouldn't blame you for not. It's going to be ugly. Do we have any hope for a Mike White and Garrett Wilson rebound on week 17? I mean, Mike White looked fully exposed. I mean, he looked yeah. every bit like the guy who. It's so much so often with these backup quarterbacks, they're really good the first start. They're still like kind of spunky second and third start. And then after there's like a month worth of film on him, 
opposing defense is like, all right, yeah, just like just break him in half. Uh, and it seemed like they kind of have him. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it, it did. I mean, the one thing you could say is, is that on paper, it's a good matchup. The Dolphins are pretty weak in the secondary, strong against the run. So maybe that generates pass volume for Mike White. But I, then you, you think about the game environment in total and the fact that Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins are not going to be able to push at all. And you just, you wonder where where that's going to come from beyond like a big play to Garrett Wilson. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. It's week eighteen. We're hoping for some miracles. Uh, we're hoping for Tom Brady to not play right and like the Bucks starters not to play. This we have some sort of predictable game environment in Bucks Falcons. But I don't know if it was Bill Belichick or if it was Tom Brady. But Tom Brady like had a lot of week seventeens. Now week eighteens in New England where they had nothing to play for, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna play can't stop me and goes out there and play with like deep into the third quarter. Always uh, are, are the bucks seriously going to give their starters snaps in this game. I mean, they're claiming that they're going to, I mean, what do we really expect from the bucks offense uh, against the Falcons? Todd Bowles. He's a football guy, you know, yes. <laughs> he is, he is a tough, tough dude. I cannot relate. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I will say that I think that there's a pretty good chance that they are going to play, some snaps here, whether it's a quarter or a half. I, I And again, look, I don't understand the logic behind, like, let's get Tom Brady some reps. Okay. Like, what? What? <laughs> you know, let's, let's get, get him Tom his 37,496, 97th, and 98th yeah. rep. Like, uh, Mike Evans has not been able to get up off the turf on his own since week two. Like even Godwin was really banged up in week 17 too. Yeah. They had to have teammates literally peel them off the grass every single uh, play. And, and they're going to, what they had, they need more reps. They got to get in there. So I I don't, I don't know. Leonard Fournette's playing through a list Frank injury. Yeah. Right. right. He has like a serious chronic foot injury. I don't think he was even on the injury report this week. um, Yeah. That that is curious how he he comes out on Twitter and says, I, I have the most serious foot injury possible. And Got the uh, Frank, yeah, he's team, not on the, the team's not, like never heard of it. Sorry, not on the injury <laughs> report with the Frank this week. So, uh, so I, I did write in my uh, column on week 18, uh, stuff, um, <laughs> possibilities that Keyshawn Vaughn could see a good amount of work here, uh, if they rest both Rashad White and Lenny, Uncle Lenny. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I have yeah. bad vibes. This, this team is going to start the starters and then pull them quickly, which is like the worst possible scenario because I, the so backups all the like, sicko plays. Then. Yeah, I don't want to play the backups because they're like they're backup caliber players and they will be getting two and a half quarters or whatever. I have this from uh, Greg Amon that uh, Brady has played or well, he has played in three games that had zero meaning. I'm sure he's played many others that had very little playoff implication. We had three games uh, with zero meaning. In 2005, he left after three series. In 2009, he left midway through the second. And in 2014, he played the entire first half. You can't play anyone in any football game in terms of fantasy and in DFS, those types of things, or betting. You cannot play them if they're not playing three and a half quarters feels like pretty a fair line to set. And they have to be really good. Like, we like Patrick Mahomes when he plays three and a half quarters because he probably dropped five touchdowns then. We don't like... Keyshawn Vaughn. We don't like Keyshawn Vaughn getting three and a half quarters. So I'm not playing almost a single person. And I really think this is a two series and leave or a half or, you know, a quarter and leave, whatever type of game. Blaine, Blaine Gabbert and Cash, what, what might have been. <laughs> oh, look, there are, you got more sicko plays coming up. Don't you worry. What might have been. I know. So Kyle, a non-sicko play in this game, Tyler Algier 
finishing the season extremely strong. We're already getting in. I've seen people like already debating his ADP, for, including me. We actually talked about it on the show. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, seen people <laughs> in the mirror already. I know we're all we're all trying to find the guy who did this. But is there any DFS juice here with Tyler Algier in Week 18? It's a real tough Bucks run defense. But as we just alluded to, it was a Bucks run defense that kind of got off to a poor start this year, and then kind of like reverted to Bucks run D form. Uh, but as we just said, there's nothing really for the Bucks to play for. Do we like Tyler Tyler Algier in DFS this weekend? Yeah, I don't know if you said this off the top. But like the most obvious, whether it be you know, regardless of history, their situation now, the most obvious reason I can tell you their starters will not play long. So last I checked, the Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons under Desmond Ritter are four point favorites. Yeah. That, <laughs> that tells me all I need to know about what Tampa Bay is expected to do in this game, strongly expected to do. And as a four point home favorite uh, coming off of the past three weeks, 55 carries just shy of 300 yards and 200 touchdowns, 56% of his entire team's carries. Yeah. Algiers are really, a really strong option this week. And uh, he's only like 5,600 on DK or something still haven't priced him up. Oh, yeah. and I just realized he's a hundred yards shy of a thousand on his rookie year. Is wow, that what you nice. were going to say, Denny? That's what I was going to say. I, they're going to get him to a thousand. Yeah. Wow. I hadn't realized that there are, he's only gotten to a hundred in a game on the ground one time all year. Right. He's, he's reached 95 yards from scrimmage each of the past three weeks. And he's reached 74 yards rushing. Yeah. Each of the, I think Denny's right. They're going to get him to one K. Arthur Smith. I mean, he, he's going to raise a banner for a thousand yards for Tyler. Or it could be maybe Arthur Smith, Denny. Though, he, like anytime you expect him to do something, he like takes personal offense to that. Like, so we're going to quote throw to Kyle Pitts. <laughs> uh, we'll see about that. Uh, we're going to throw to Drake London. We'll we'll see about that big guy. Yeah, Arthur so, Smith. If you're listening, uh, ignore what I said. You know, you're, you're going to. Here's what. Here's what we want you to do. Give the ball. To Cordero Patterson 25 times. Yes. Arthur Smith, all of us fantasy bros have been pounding the table. Pound, pound, pound. For <laughs> Olamide Zacchaeus. Throw to him a bunch of times in this game. We love that's our we... Olamides. Okay, love... now that he's not listening, Drake Lennon says. See, Arthur, please, please just do the right thing. Get this young man to 1,000 yards rushing. The Baltimore Ravens host, or excuse me, the Baltimore Ravens travel to Cincinnati as touchdown underdogs. This game is kind of this other one, like the Bills stuck in playoff seeding limbo. Kyle, again, like what is at stake here? With because the 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 Bengals can't get the number one seed. They already have. If, if the Bills game doesn't count, which is all signs are suggesting the Bills game is not going to count, the Bengals have the AFC North wrapped up correctly. So what I'm is going on? I'm sure you have that as backwards as it could be. Uh, because I believe they have a one game lead over the Ravens, but the Ravens could tie. And I think the Ravens beat them earlier this year, which would give them the tiebreaker. And you are correct that they are knocked out of the one seed. If that game, which all signs point to it, not being made up, that does knock them out of the one seed. So AFC North crown still in play though. And assuming that game is not played, this game does matter. Are you sure the AFC North crown is in play? Cause I think based on winning percentage, it is not going to be in play. I guess, well, I guess we don't know what's going on with that yet either. <laughs> well, let's see. I'm just going to pull out a calculator, Kyle. If the Bengals lose this game, they will have a 687 winning percentage. Yep. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Bengals, and if the Ravens win this game, they'll have a 647. So the yeah, we don't know though that win percentage is the answer, right? Like we, it's going. It's I think it's going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're confident that's yeah. the case, then correct. I think it's going to be win percentage. I don't. So yeah, I think the Bengals have. The AFC North locked up. If that is the route, they will also decides to go. They have to know by Sunday. You would think. 
the NFL, though, a lot of challenge accepted a lot in those situations. Um, yeah, producer Adam, so, though. If you're wondering, does Sam correct on all this? No, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm – if it's winning percentage – the, the, the AFC North is already toast. The Bengals have won it. Um, I believe that is correct. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, they so. would uh, they would tie at uh, 12, 12 wins apiece, I believe, and uh, and then that would, uh, that would no no because the the, the 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 sorry I'm sure this is a really riveting podcast. <laughs> I'm riveted. Uh, they would tie at eleven wins, right? Yeah, they would tie at eleven wins, but the the, the Ravens would have one more loss. Yes, so. correct. So the AFC North salted away, folks. You heard it here first. Unless that's not what they do. <laughs> unless it's not unless it's not uh just got a uh, word on the tl the timeline as the kids say that uh mike white was downgraded today and is not looking great for oh. this week so i'm gonna grab the mic real quick listen robert sala if you're listening we need 15 rushing attempts from chris Drebler this week oh my god we need it please, I, please i'm begging you i'm begging you for it i i we need we need it Denny, you started off the show like beautiful words, kind of like like the harmony of man, how we all need to like stop taking life for granted, and then you do something like this. <laughs> um, I, I, you got to counterbalance. You do something like this. Um, the yin and the yang. Frankly, and the, and the lawyers, even the lawyers have been trying to take mercy on you um, this week, and they're not happy. My phone's blowing up already. Um, so yeah, Chris Strebler, 15. This may, I'm in the, my boomer points only league that goes to the end of the season. Let's just say I badly needed Mike White this Sunday. Uh, real bad news. That's real. on you. It is on me. That, that is true. That is true. Uh, okay. What in the world are we talking about here? Kyle, do the Ravens have a playoff prayer without Lamar Jackson? I don't even know. What, what does this even mean? I, I don't even know what this question means. Like, I guess I was asking if Lamar doesn't come back, do they have any shot in the playoffs? <laughs> That's how I took it. That's I, I, I understood it to be right. What, in that what does sense. this even mean? Yeah. Because they're, they're locked in the playoffs. So they don't need, they don't need a win this week to make the playoffs specifically. Lamar not I'd practicing say, by the way. this week. Yeah. Lamar, Lamar not practicing at the beginning of the week, John Harbaugh, who I'm sure is sick of answering this question uh, said he didn't know if he would practice week that all signs are pointing to him not playing. I do imagine he comes back for the playoffs. It's been a long, it will have been a long time of rest for him. I think he comes back for the playoffs, but if he doesn't, no, they, they don't really have a, a strong shot. Huntley hasn't been terrible, right? He's since taking over in week 13, 24th in EPA per play, 22nd success rate, not too bad. Top 10, 10 on the dot. In fact, in CPOE, but the team has been couching him entirely behind a run game. They have a minus 12% pass rate over expected since we saw his first appearance. They haven't been putting up a ton of points. And it's, it's, do they have a chance at beating teams in the regular season with Tyler Huntley? Sure, they absolutely do. But when they you cut out half of the league, the lower half of the league, and they're forced to play playoff caliber teams every single week, not really. No, I don't think they do, frankly. Not sure about the Ravens' new tradition of coming out looking pretty good but flawed in the first half of the season, and then in the entire second half of the season, it's like not looking like a good team. I guess both times because of Lamar Jackson injuries. Yeah. But also, it could maybe have a single pass catcher available who Just played one. the position of wide receiver. Yeah, uh, would be nice if the Baltimore Ravens did that. Denny, do we trust the Bengals to remain pass happy? I guess not necessarily in this game, but going into the postseason. Seemed like Zach Taylor got the message earlier than usual this year. Uh, yeah, we pedal to the metal Bengals in the postseason. Yeah, I, no, I, I think yeah they 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 seem to realize that it's their best path to victory, and uh, thank goodness for that because it makes them one of the more exciting offenses 
in the league. Now, teams have really, really ramped up two high safeties against Joe Burrow and the Bengals to the point where a lot of a lot of Burrow's throws are are underneath. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for Jamar Chase, uh, but the downfield stuff is going to be limited because teams have, like they did with Mahomes and the Chiefs a couple years ago, said nope or last year, I guess we're that that's not happening anymore. We are not letting you just go over the top of us every time. Um, so th- I think that opens up, you know, potential targets, potential opportunities for a guy like Hayden Hurst for Tyler Boyd, um, you know, Samaj P Ryan, if he, if he gets some sort of, uh, passing down role, uh, they, the Cincinnati has been way over their expected pass rate in seven of their past eight games. Joe Burrow is fourth in pass attempts, from week 11 to week 16, you know, ex- excluding last week, obviously, obviously. So, uh, yeah, I think we can expect more just all out, uh, passing. Um, they don't, they do not shift to the run against weak run defenses. Like we were talking about the Eagles certainly do. And the bills are starting to do. We'll be right back after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney world? Like, Hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play at Walt Disney world resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Lions and Packers in our Sunday Night 7 contest. And don't forget, download the Roto-World app to see breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players in your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. We're starting to get down to kind of the dredges here. Uh, Vikings at the Justin Fieldsless Bears. Nathan Peterman back in our lives this week, 18. The Vikings are only seven and a half point favorites, at least in the line I was looking at, which to me suggests Vegas is not expecting anywhere close to 60 minutes, like of Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook, maybe like at least a half. But I, I feel like if they're expect like if the if the Vikings like had something like really to play for, which they have a little to play for, I think they'd probably be like twelve and a half point favorites, maybe thirteen and a half point favorites. Uh, Denny, this game, uh, this is my question uh, for this game. This is going to get weird, isn't it? Uh, I guess it question. is. I actually thought that the Vikings had had enough to play for that their guys would would play. Is that Kyle? Is that not the case? 
I think they're just playing for two, three seed flop, which like matters. That will be uh, like impactful if they make it deep in the playoffs for home field advantage and for who they play in the first round. Uh, but I, I think kind of like, like Pat said, I'd project them for less than four quarters, mostly because they should roll in the first yeah. two or three quarters. And I think this line just reflects the fact that yeah, I think the line reflects, they have something to play for, yeah. but it's going to be a game where they kind of like sleepwalk to that. And then you yeah, probably pull their guys. Early. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, last week, what Jared Goff was playing while the team was up 28, right? We won't see Kirk cousins up 28. We might see him up 14, but beyond that, it's difficult to say. And that's where I think the line is, is at. Well, uh, just Jefferson needs 194 yards to, uh, break Calvin Johnson's single season receiving record. So I guess that's that's not definitely not happening if uh, if this is all <laughs> true. He, and, he can get it in the first half. Yeah, it's just say if he's sitting at like 150 at halftime, then it is happening. Well, but I, I just this line makes no sense to me. Like if you expect Justin Jefferson to be out there, he's going to be catching passes from Kirk Cousins. Why would they rest anybody else? Like this line, I I would have thought would be, I don't know, 15. Uh, and, uh, so that, that, that is, that is concerning. I, I kind of thought they would let Justin Jefferson go after it full force, but maybe not. Well, maybe the line, the concern is they are going to let Kirk Cousins cook. And when Kirk Cousins cooks, <laughs> that just involves throwing like a lot of picks. As soon as, as soon as, uh, as soon as O'Connell came out and said, like, we're playing the starters full four quarters uh, of Kirk Cousins, the line, like, uh oh, yeah, uh, not his fault, though. The meltdown last week was not his fault. Kyle, any sickos we like in this game? KJ Osborne, Equiminius, St. Brown, Byron Pringle, Khalil Herbert. Who, who, where are my sickos at? Nope, they're not here. Don't play the Seccos in this game. On the mm-hmm. Viking side, it's the same thing. It's less of the same thing, but it is kind of the same thing as, I mean, maybe you could throw some darts on like a Justin Jefferson going for the record or whatever, but that's not Sicko, right? The Sicko plays are the backups, and for the Bears, the backups are just the starters, and they're just <laughs> going to be terrible. Uh, Nathan Peterman, as you noted, Nathan, U.S. dollars, Nathan Peterman. <laughs> no translation errors. Nathan Peterman is starting. Don't play any of the Bears. And Vikings, you would play the starters if you wanted to be, you know, very risk on with this game, which is a fine thing to do, I guess. Kyle, you need to make at least a few tournament lineups with Nathan Peterman, right? No, no, no you don't. As <laughs> Again, this is not financial advice, legally speaking, but please, God, don't do that. That's, that's just moral advice. That's like quality of life advice. Do not do that. No tournament lineups. With Nathan Peterman, please. Now, Chris Streveler is another. Ooh, okay. Story, we're, trying, we're trying to keep the good vibes going, Denny. <laughs> You're making it really, really hard. You're making it really, really hard. The New Orleans, New Orleans Saints host the Carolina Panthers as three and a half point home favorites. Strikes me as kind of a shocking line, too. I, I think the Panthers have appeared to be a far better team than the yeah. Saints like the past two months. But that is not the case. Saints are home favorites. Kyle, one last ride for a Deontay Foreman season who gets home real big in fantasy like when he gets his rushing numbers, which is like two out of three games. But when he doesn't get his rushing numbers, he's like a donut waiting to happen because he does not only does he not catch passes, he does not get targeted in the passing game. Yeah, he, he's a non-factor as a, as a quote receiver. But last week he saw 81% of the carries. It's not a particularly far spread. And the Saints have slowly become worse and worse to the point where they're in the second half of the season below average in EPA per rush allowed. Uh, so they started off the season looking like a pretty strong defense, but it's kind of dwindled away to the point where I'm not worried because Deonta Foreman, for a few weeks, it looked like he was actually splitting the backfield with Chuba Hubbard. But I think that comes down to the fact that they were running 40 plus times in those games. So you're not going to give Deonta Foreman 40 carries, but when you only have 
speak, 20. speak for yourself. <laughs> Look, it'd be very fun to see him. I, he was like that kind of back in college too. He got so much. Only he got Freddie carries. Sorry. He'd be going up at like 250, 260. I'd like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he won't, he won't get that. But I do think in any game where they scale the volume back on the ground, probably because like last week they're losing. In any game where they scale the volume back, they scale his share of the pie up. And if they get to run the ball 40 times, that's the scenario in which you don't see him dominate the backfield. And that's okay. Like that's just how you manage a player to not get hit 40 times. So it looks like a pretty solid spot for him. Denny, what is the Saints outlook in this game? They're, I think a little healthier than, I mean, Chris Olave returned last week, but did he play his full complement of snaps? He avoided a setback either way. The Saints are a little bit healthier. They're in the dome. What is their outlook for their final game? Yeah. Uh, Olave ran. Uh, Almost all the routes, um, you know, the, we, the, Kyle and, and Corrine mentioned uh, Rashid Shahid last week, um, or maybe it was two weeks ago. I forget. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm very, very into Shahid against this very bad, exploitable uh, Carolina secondary, even with Alave back and playing a full complement of snaps and routes. Uh, Rashid Shahid saw more targets, all six targets to five for – Olave, um, you know, you just go down the line like he is he is like the the big downfield splash play guy for the New Orleans offense right now. Uh, I kind of think this game has a little bit of appeal, a little bit of back and forth mm-hmm. appeal if the Panthers are willing to go go in that direction. DJ Moore, he, I think he needs 102 receiving yards for a thousand yards Ooh, on the season. That's what we like to hear. Which we when you like adjust for quarterback play. Uh, makes it the greatest single season in history. In the, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it really, truly, like, how, how does this guy have a chance to have to have a thousand yards in this offense? I think it speaks to how good a player he is. So it does, and like, it's why we're going back. He's going to be one of those players. Like, fantasy managers are getting tired of hearing about. Like, well, we swear to God, DJ Moore is worth <laughs> a second or third round pick this year. I'm trying to do Kyle's voice. Like, we sw- I swear to God. All right. And uh, the thing is, the the New York Delhi guy, he doesn't like DJ Moore. Like, he, you know, <laughs> no, the, the he likes winners. Like, Guys, you got to look at DJ Moore's yards per route run. It's really good. <laughs> Do we know if J.C. Horn is playing this? I can't find J.C. Horn on the injury report, but he's like not on the IR. Like that would be a pretty big factor for yeah, Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave. By the way, I'm feeling really good about getting Rashid Shahid for absolutely nothing in my dynasty league. I just like scooped him up off waivers after like a second or third game. Like no one was believing in it. I mean, I know he's a 24 year old undrafted rookie. But uh, he appears to be quite good. He's had good. horns on uh, horns on IR. Wasn't it like the wrist thing, right? And it seemed like he's, he's fine. It's just when you get knocked out of playoffs, that's what you do. It's Rashid Shahid season then. Rashid Shahid season. It's very hard to say. Uh, Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Commanders. Cowboys, you know, those lines, the Cowboys are only seven and a half point favorites. I think uh, the Commanders have been eliminated. I think Vegas is just kind of anticipating a sleepy game one where Dallas does not have to go all out to win. Cause Dallas does have, could Dallas still be the number one seed? If yeah, the I believe it, lose? they need, I believe they need both the 49ers who are like the real team looming for the number one seed and the Eagles who are the one who currently holds it. They need them both to lose, but that is more than possible. And I think Jerry Jones even said earlier in the week that they still care about that. They care about home field advantage. And even if the 49ers win and the Eagles lose, they would get to reclaim the NFC East, right? And that is impactful for a home field throughout. It so, is. So. 
And they tend to play their starters, I think. And they've had a few situations like this where they've played guys. Where, like, uh, even the Cowboy, they can't possibly play Zeke this right, week, right? And then in the third quarter, and he's got, like, his 13th carry still. But anyway, I know about the Cowboys. Denny, what anyone really wants to know about this game is Sicko Sam Howell. Is it happening oh, yeah. in DFS? No, we're getting disgusting with Sam Howell uh, and and possibly Jonathan Williams, who could be the RB1 here if both Anto- well, Antonio Gibson's on IR and uh, Brian Robinson is not practicing. Uh, I think we can safely safely say he, he's probably not going to play uh, this Dude, week. Brian Robinson? How serious is the Brian Robinson injury? Do we know this guy? Pra- he hasn't practiced. Well, he hasn't practiced, but... I didn't think it was like that serious, actually. I mean, uh, I mean the thing no, is, with so many like non-serious injuries at this point, there is. I mean, right? Yeah, no reason. Taylor yeah. Heineke literally just gave up whatever snaps he was going to play. Honestly, a kind of decent thing to do when like your standing, your lot heading into free agency or whatever has already been settled, and Sam Howell maybe deserves a shot. Uh, a nice thing to do, but a very competitive guy just said, "Nah, don't need him. Let me take the week off." Right. So. If you know what Denny says, you know, Brian Robinson not practicing, it probably isn't that serious. Hopefully not. At least it wouldn't really matter. So Sam Howell comes with a, a little bit of rushing appeal in the pre in three preseason games. He had 93 yards and two touchdowns um, showed a uh, willingness to take off, especially near near the end zone, as rookies do. You know, they do do the one read and then go. Uh, you know, that, that that could have have some appeal here. I, I, I think I think the Cowboys could put up like. Like fifty points here, by the way. Like they could, they do love to do that. They did that last year in yeah, a game for the yeah. Eagles in Week 17, 18. Excuse me, I, I didn't I, try. I forgot. I don't. About that. This line doesn't make any sense. It should be twenty-two or something. Like the Cowboys are going to go ham on the Commanders. I forgot about that. The Eagles had nothing to play for, and the Cowboys put up a fifty burger last Week eighteen. I, I actually did forget about that. So yeah, Kyle. What do we actually think the Cowboys are going to do? How much do we think we're going to play in this? Are we going to get 60 minutes of the Dallas Cowboys stars? I know we close. I I do think they are playing. They're playing as if, and they are correct that they have a small chance to get the one seed. And even if not, they have a chance to get far better seating and home field playoff advantage. Uh, if both teams ahead of them, I mentioned when this game doesn't really play at the same time as the yes. Eagles 49ers. Yes, they will. Uh, the most they can do is watch the scoreboard to try and find out what their standing is. But like that is probably a difficult thing to change mid game to play players who never who did not prep to start this game. So I think the only way they get pulled late is if the game is clearly decided. It's much more close to a regular season game in which, like I said, with Mahomes, like. Mahomes got pulled in the fourth quarter. Oh, fifth or sixth touchdown. And which one they pull him after? Like this will be that kind of game, though it is probably as much, it's not as much Dak. It's the whole offense, the running back specifically, because don't have high hopes for this Washington offense this week. It is a curious line. It is seriously only a touchdown for the Cowboy. I mean, maybe part of that is in these like weird and limbo games, you do to see teams kind of come out flat, even when there's something to play for. Like it must just be hard to like get all the way up for a game like this where the implications of it are just unclear, but Denny could be right. I mean, the Cowboys. This, I mean, come on, let's just be real. This is the Cowboys Super Bowl. I mean, no, no, no. It, the, the, the Cowboys look at the Cowboys perform poorly under pressure. There's no pressure here. That's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. That's why this is their Super Bowl. Like this is yeah. their moment to shine. This, um, this is. You know what this is? This is you go out to the range and you're just striping your driver down the fairway <laughs> every single time, and you're like. Damn, how good am I? Like, I can't believe how straight and far I can hit my driver. And then you step up to the first tee and you hit it directly in the water 45 yards to the right. 
this is this this game is Cowboys weather. This game is Cowboys weather. Speaking of weather, I'm sure it'll be absolutely horrific in Pittsburgh, where the Cleveland Browns arrive in town as three point underdogs. There's never been a single nice day in any AFC North division city after November first, has there? Kyle's from this region; he can attest. Kyle, is there any chance we have to hand it to Kenny Pickett, who? Now, in back-to-back weeks, has uh, been kind of the worst player on the field for 57 minutes. And then the final three minutes of the game turns into the aforementioned Dan Marino. I, I can't believe I'm being asked this question. Uh, I mean, Kenny Pickett, since coming out of the bye, he missed, I believe, one game and a bit, a decent bit of another game. But since that bye, Steelers are 6-2. and two. That's what you're referencing in some sense and and most of those and Mike Tomlin you got he's still underrated it is just ridiculous probably yeah and I mean even when you look at the end of the Ben Roethlisberger era you I'm not a watch the games guy but you watch the games and you got to hand it to Mike Tomlin if any reason Mike Tomlin gets underrated kind of like Andy Reid used to is because like his weaknesses are like so visible it's like, oh, uh, Mike really needed to call a timeout there. <laughs> or like, oh, Mike uh, making the worst challenge decision of literally all time. Ooh, Mike, uh, <laughs> not, Najee Harris's 14th carry and every single one has been on first and 10. That's yeah, so His weaknesses are quite visible, but his strengths are like, like just keeping a team prepared, keeping a team motivated. Mm-hmm. He's like almost unparalleled. Extremely good coach. Anyways, do we have to hand it to Kenny Pickett? No, you don't. No, no, no. Uh, since... Bye-bye. Kenny Pickett is 14th in EPA for play. It's around league average, 23rd in CPOE, a little below average. Uh, I mean, he's not bad, I don't think. I actually, like, looking at this, was a little more optimistic on his future. I don't have oh, So it sounds like, say it, got to hand Re- it to him. <laughs> Relative to my personal expectations, <laughs> I have some small gloved hand to hand to Kenny Pickett. He's oh, been fine. On, he's been fine. He's been fine. And because he's been fine, there should be be some hope for next year though i'm not really sure what his ceiling as a player is a conversation for another day the biggest reason the steelers and you're asking me if i have to hand it to kenny pickett that they're six and two is they've given up more than 17 points once since the bye kenny pickett's capable of putting up 18 points in some games uh so i don't know if you heard little things called quarterback wins and he's got two of them the past two weeks stirring last second drives such elite teams known as the josh mcdaniels raiders Interestingly, in a game in like, well, I think almost over three quarters of a game, Mitch Trubisky, small sample admittedly, since the bye, first in CPOE, first in EPA per play. I'd love to see that guy get some more snaps. Oh my God, please stop. Uh, Danny, why are the Browns so bad? Uh, I really kind of can't figure this out. Their offensive personnel is not that bad, but they have just been playing bad since Deshaun Watson became the starting quarterback. Why are they so bad? Lack of identity. They 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 just don't have an offensive identity. They're they're still identifying as the Baker Mayfield Browns, and they have Deshaun Watson in there. Uh, you look at their uh, pass rate over expected, and it's it's below expected every week. And they have Nick Chubb, and they want to they talk about I'm we're going to feed Nick Chubb no matter what. And it's like you know you 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 uh, broke NFL precedent and literally broke the bank for this guy. Maybe use him, you know, may, maybe have him drop back and throw some passes and uh, maybe they'll get into that next year. I think we're going to see an entirely different Browns offensive identity in 2023. Yeah. yeah, But there, there were, uh, I, I remember, you know, reading some columns by Browns, columnists, observers before the season saying, 
Deshaun Watson does not fit in Kevin Stefanski's offense as it currently is. Like, not it's not even close. Like, it's it's maybe the worst fit possible, and that's what it looks like right now. So things are going to have to change, obviously. And maybe it's just too hard to change after eleven games. Like, you can't just like flip a switch. I guess when you're playing one style with Jacoby Brissett and going to Deshaun Watson, but it's going to be. Uh, they can't come back with this approach in 2023 because, like you said, it's not the proper identity. It does not fit the quarterback whatsoever, um, and it's going to be a big coaching challenge for Kevin Stefanski. Speaking of a big coaching challenge, the Broncos are going to try to win a game with a guy who was hired because he was like supposedly good at like running the clock or something. The interim, what's this guy's name? Jerry Rosberg. Yeah. Um, He's giving like deranged quotes every day. He's pretty amazing. No, 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 no. The part where he said this Albert O guy looks good was not deranged. It was a very thoughtful and intelligent quote. And uh, their tight ends like weren't practicing early in the week, except for Albert O. Obviously, Greg Dolston and I are. Sizzin, baby. What if Albert O was the player you needed in week 18? That's true. It's, it's happening. Uh, that, anyway, that's really funny, by the way. So that funny. Rosberg is like, eh, this kid, Albert O, uh, why haven't we been playing him? What's he the- saw like Godzilla running a 4 3 9 or whatever. He isn't. I'm telling you, the only thing, the only reason, again, is a Mizzou alum who saw every one of Albert O's college games. The only reason is because I think they just don't trust him to stay healthy. He's had one of the poor injury histories you can that have. Like, he's he's unguardable. He's been remarkably healthy this year. I can tell you that. Well, yeah, they've done a good job keeping him healthy. They managed right. his reps quite Not well. It's incredible, ever. though. I mean, imagine how mad Nathaniel Hackett was when he saw Albert O score that touchdown. I don't even you know? mind not playing him over Greg Dulcich when Greg Dulcich was healthy. Like, Greg Dulcich, I, I think, is a pretty good player already. Like, that was kind of yeah, he when he stepped on the field. But, like... Getting Eric Saubert out there, I guess, like maybe sort of the thing is like you play Eric Saubert to be an inline blocker, and maybe that's not, I mean, it's probably not Albert O's thing. He's a big dude, though. But um, yeah. Eric Saubert was always the thesis of the Albert O play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just needed him and Andrew Beck and Eric Tomlinson to get hurt, too. So, anyways, the clock manager guys coaching the Broncos against the Chargers, who are only one and a half point road favorites. But Kyle, you can explain. It's because the Chargers, they have seeding to play for. Brandon Staley claims he's going to pursue that seeding, but Vegas doesn't view it as seemingly enough motivation for them to be more than one and a half point favorites against one of the worst teams in the league. Well, they only have uh, seeding to play for if, I believe it's if uh, the Ravens win in the morning slate too. Yeah, because this is in the afternoon. Exactly, it's in the afternoon slate. So they may have nothing to play for by the time their game kicks off. And uh, I do think, I, I mean, Saley, Saley pointed out, he, he wasn't as much talking about like, we got to get, he wasn't doing the Brady thing. Like I'm a football player. I play, I got to get my reps in. He noted the seating stuff. So I do think they would probably still give their starters some run. I think probably at least a half. Cause I think if you guys kind of pointed out the Cowboys, they're preparing them all week to play. Yes. Um, I do think like as a like strategic process-based thing, it'd be kind of difficult to to go in and prep none of the players who are starting to actually play. So I think we'd see a half maybe, but they would literally have nothing to play for in that event. So I don't, uh, it's possible. We have to see how the one o'clock games play out. If you're like playing DFS, check up at four o'clock, maybe give yourself a few more minutes. Let's call it 345. Uh, see how things are going. Yeah, there. I would be swapping off chargers though if they have nothing to play for. That That's what I'll say. So, Denny, my question to you then is, does this time it count with the Chargers heading into the playoffs? Are they getting it together? Is this finally the year for the Chargers to, I don't know, just not completely embarrass themselves? They're not going to go to the Super Bowl, but uh, are they going to not completely embarrass themselves in the playoffs? 
I think that there's a good chance they won't embarrass themselves completely. Now, I, are they going to have a normal playoff game in the first round? No, no, no. Of course not. <laughs> like, even if it looks normal at halftime, it's not going to end normal. Like, no. you, you, you know that it's just not. So we have to keep that in mind. I mean, the, the main, the main issue is that they, they don't let Justin Herbert go downfield. And and or he doesn't, or he doesn't have a good arm. He doesn't have. He's not Dan Marino reincarnated, Denny. So you don't let him go down the field. But he's yeah. I mean, he he is like I, I know that's what you're he saying. really. I know. Sorry, sorry to layer on the irony. So he is Dan Marino reincarnated. Right. Cutting cutting through your eight layers of irony. Yes, this is this is current Marino, and they they're like, uh, hey, you ever seen Drew Brees? Uh, do what he do what he did. Uh, you know, Drew Brees. Jerry's had to get on his tiptoes to see over the lineman, and he would just dump oh, it over to so Alvin Kamara over and over and over again. Um, sorry, to my former colleague Drew Brees, by the way, if you're listening, uh, you know. So, so I, I don't, I don't think that they have the juice to get to get past probably the first round, and if they do, they'll probably get crushed and eventually in these playoffs. But you know, I think that certainly Brandon Staley, our former analytics king, uh, saved his saved his job. Um, and uh, possibly force Sean Payton to go somewhere he doesn't really want to go. I know. It is a shame that it's taken Sean Payton and the Chargers off the table. The Chargers are getting healthier. Joey Bosa back. But isn't the Chargers line super, super banged up? Sorry to put you on the spot. But it you is. Know, you just know this off the top of your head. Yeah, Danny does too. They are banged up. But Bosa makes a big difference, uh, by the way, in, in uh, pressure rate. I was looking at that before the show. And the Chargers were not getting to the quarterback without Bosa. Um, obviously they, they do at a much higher rate with him. And, you know, so him being back is, is big for their chances. Now, I, I think it all comes down to the fact that Justin Herbert throws 45 times a game and 35 of them are just like right near the line of scrimmage in the short areas of the field. You just, you're not going to put up a lot of points that way. And they're going to need a lot of points. Kind of don't know why I'm asking this, especially as the podcast is getting kind of long. But uh, any chance at a 2023 Russell Wilson revival? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, there are good head coaching candidates out there. Last last year, as if it's already over, during the Hackett era, uh, we saw some pretty poor decision-making on so many different fronts. I mean, Wilson... A lot of it had to be coaching. It just did. A lot of it did. There is kind of a, a heel-turn punchline at the end of this, but a lot of the coaching stuff was poor. Uh, Russell Wilson. I, I almost called him Zach Wilson, and that is like such the perfect oh, Freudian slip no. at this point, right? Uh, Russell Wilson was 30th in play action rate among quarterbacks. He thrives under the play action. They didn't let him do that. Broncos were below average in early down pass rate under Hackett. They're below average in making the correct decision on fourth downs based on win probability gained. They ranked no lower than sixth in total offsides, false starts, delay of games, and offensive holdings. And I don't know if that's quite personnel. I mean, it's some personnel, it's some coaching and preparedness. But I mean, I remember watching some of these games and crucial moments, and they're just taking delay of games. Like they were the most incoherent, unput together team we've seen since last year under Urban Meyer. But before that, it would go back a long time. That team is iconic. This team is a, a close runner up. On the other hand, there are... There are some concerning signs for Russell Wilson. He is the CPOE god. And what that means is that when you adjust for his depth of target, uh, he is so incredibly accurate because he throws deep balls and intermediate passes better than anyone else, really. I mean, he is like, he's the best quarterback by CPOE up until this year in which he was 
dreadful. He was 32nd. Like, he's just not accurate anymore. And do I think that is also partly fueled by the complete incoherence of the coaching? Supposedly, he didn't even, like, understand all the pre-snap calls and stuff. Some of that, yes, but, like, some of it's on him. So I, I can't put this all on coaching. I think Hackett was out of his depth as a coach. I think Wilson got exposed this year as a quarterback who has talent but was propped up by his coaching. And that shocks me to say. Like you you got you, you to gotta hand it to Pete Carroll. You just do. You, this is a you absolutely have to hand yeah. it to. There's yeah. no doubt about it. He maximized his quarterback's talents. I think, or at least close to it. He accentuated his quarterback's talents well. Maybe he could have done more, but it's clear that there was also a way to do infinitely less. I think an underrated storyline with Russell Wilson might be too that he came back way too quickly from his finger injury last season, and he was not the same after that. I wonder if he like jacked up his finger. I mean, I'm getting like pure speculation territory, but he has not been the same since that finger injury that he rehabbed famously like 20 hours a day, didn't he? Yeah, last year. Right, and he bragged about not sleeping. Uh, he actually and, did. This is actually not a bit. No, <laughs> and, and and rehabbing it. And then he was terrible for the first four weeks. He, it took him a month to even be able to grip the ball properly. Yeah. So I, I, that, I just sometimes with this guy, you just like, can you just please take a chill pill? No, he will never take a chill pill. <laughs> um, you know, who is taking a chill pill this week, at least according to the Las Vegas bookmakers, the New York Giants, because they're 14 point underdogs, the Philadelphia Eagles. They are locked into their seed, Kyle. Uh, is there? I think we kind of already talked about this. Is there such a thing as a sicko giant play? Since I think you already made this joke, this but since their starters are already the sicko plays, their starters uh, aren't as sicko plays as the Bears. Like the Bears' number one receiver is Dante Pettis, Equinemius St. Brown, or something. In this spot, Darius, I did just say like I was about to say Richie Darius Slayton, uh, Richie James, and who's the third guy? Hodgins. Hodgins. Yeah. They're sicko plays. No, I they're think, all they're not going to play. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, but they're like they're. What he's saying is that uh, that like I'm like, oh, the bear starters a sicko plays, but Isaiah Hodgins, he's a legit guy. So, so I think the the running back spot would be very interesting because obviously they're not playing. They uh, they don't play Saquon Barkley. They're not playing the starters, which, like you said, the line all but makes this inevitable. And and Dable even said early in the week, he's like, oh, we'll evaluate and see how things are late in the week. Like if you're Brady and that team are committed to playing and they have told us that the indifference, the, the indecisiveness that tells you what you need to know as does the line. I would be interested. You could talk me into Gary Brightwell, who as of right now, if they didn't play Saquon Barkley, I don't even know if they play Matt Breedix. Breed has kind of generally been the, pure backup to Barkley. Yeah. He's the only running back left on the roster. He's the third one. They probably call practice squad guy. If they thought that it was necessary, if they thought they were going to play the starters at all. You could talk to me to some Gary Brightwell. I'd be less optimistic on starting the receivers. I don't think we'd see a strong, obviously we would not see a strong passing game. It's been a relatively weak passing game when they've had the starters, let alone when they go to Tyrod Taylor and the backup receivers, but running back, I'm more just hunting for volume. So definitely play this one by ear. I'd like to get some more confirmation that like maybe Matt Breida also gets some backseat the way that Smaj P Ryan is mostly a backup, but they rest him whenever they rest the starters. If Breida was at that level, Gary Brightwell would be exciting. Yes. Brightwell season. Brightwell season. Jalen Hurts appears to be coming back as the Eagles try to put the finishing touches on the number one seed in the NFC. Any chance he might be low rostered since managers probably are not expecting an explosive game because of the line, because of the perception the Giants aren't even going to try. Right. 
Yeah, because he's been hurt and out. Yes, um, no, I I could see that. Just just the same with Dak Prescott. You know, like this idea that the Cowboys are going to get up by seventeen and then rest their starters. Or I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know where that where that thinking would would lead you. But but yeah, I I think a, a, an Eagles onslaught could could be in order here. Uh, Eagles have lost two, two in a row. There's some building frustration. Um, hurts back. I you know they they could just annihilate the the Giants. Who have no reason? They have no reason to no. play any of their main guys. Even on defense, they're banged up a little bit in the secondary. Rest those guys. Yeah, I could see a, a, a lots of Eagles being under rostered. I say that on Thursday afternoon. Who knows what the what the steam will be this weekend? I don't know. I do think it makes competitive sense, kind of, for the Eagles to go all out because, like, so they've gotten like uncalibrated without Jalen Hurts. They win, they have the bye. Uh, they kind of, I, I actually see like the competitive argument, the boomer argument of like, yeah, they got to like get back in sync heading into the playoffs. I, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another team that is 14 point favorites, the San Francisco 49ers against the David Blau led quote unquote led <laughs> Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Vegas is expecting an annihilation here for obvious reasons. Kyle DFS case for any Cardinals question mark. DeAndre Hopkins not playing in this game. James yeah. Conner probably also not playing in this game. Yeah, I mean, on the upside, lots of PPR volume to go around. They had three players, McBride, Greg Dorch, Marquise Brown, with target shares of 24% or higher, super concentrated offense. So when they're ultimately forced to pass in this game, which Vegas and anyone with eyes can tell you will be the case by like three drives in at, at most, really, when they're forced to pass, lots of concentrated PPR volume to go around. They threw the ball 40 times last week. The downside to that is that on 40 attempts, they mustered 222 yards. And, and that's why, like, maybe you can play Greg Dortch as a value play. The same could be said of Trey McBride, who was actually extremely productive last week after really not appearing, like, in the box score almost at all this year. I don't know if I'd be, like, willing to bet everything on Marquise Brown simply based on, like, for a DFS perspective, price. Like, I want to play these guys because I think they have a good shot at getting 13 or something. And that's not why I'm playing Marquise Brown. So, uh, Look. Uh, empires rise and fall. Uh, oceans rise and recede. Greg Dorch is forever. Okay. And every Cardinals quarterback, the only thing we know for sure is that they're going to give Greg Dorch 10 targets as he did, as he had last week with David Blau under center. So it's happening again. I just realized being Rondell Moore is injured. I just realized this has become a Dalton Schultz, Blake Jarwin situation where no one wants to admit that Greg no. Dorch is better than Rondale Moore. I don't know. This is the tight end, Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz situation. Greg no. Dorch is Schultzing Rondale I mean, Moore. Rondale Moore has never not hurt his hamstring, so that is an issue. <laughs> but, but he's, you know, he's really good when he's in there, so. He is, he's all right. I mean, Blake Jarwin is all right, too. We've also got a pretty reasonable case for coaching turnover coming. Uh, I can't say anything definitive, but there could be. And that will maybe shake things up in the way we want. Maybe not. Danny, I was going to ask you about the 49ers, but there's just no point. We're going to move on to the other game. 49ers going to kill the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> the Los Angeles Rams visit the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are nearly touchdown home favorites as they try to sneak into the playoffs. But Denny, I ask you about Cam Akers and the Rams. Is it Cam Akers' season? We kind of talked about this on Monday already. Cam Akers, he's back, folks. So, yeah. I, so it's week 18 Cam Akers' season. It's uh, It's been, you know, it always has been. Uh, and and you have uh, 
23 carries for Akers in week 16 against the Broncos, uh, 19 last week against the Chargers, uh, both for well over 100 yards. I mean, he gets the goal line work. He's getting a lot of, he's seeing a lot of pass uh, route running. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that he, he profiles as a, uh, as as like the centerpiece of their offense, pretty much in an offense where Baker Mayfield is basically just uh, dinking and dunking down the field. I like Baker's a lot. There we go. So you're putting him in full full exposure in DFS, Denny. Kind of Fully exposed. I'm a, I am completely <laughs> exposed to Cam Akers. <laughs> just a lot, a lot. I can't. Kyle, what might the Seahawks' offensive approach be? It's gotten a little incoherent because they've had wide receiver injuries. Geno Smith has regressed. Ken Walker was hurt, but now he's posting a lot of ground production every week again. What are we expecting to see against the Rams? A lot of ground production from Ken Walker. Over the past two weeks, it seems like he's fully healthy uh, based on his workload. You don't give someone that much work if you don't think they're fully healthy. And they've kind of in turn turned into the Seahawks we've seen in previous seasons, a minus 7% pass rate over expected. This is a Rams team that their run defense has kind of fallen off the map. In the second half of the season, they are well below average in terms of rush EPA allowed their 20th. So I don't see any reason as pretty considerable home favorites looking to, I assume just get healthy and get in the playoffs. Like Tyler Lockett banged up. Like I said, Gino regressing. I assume they're they just, winning in. Are they winning in? No, but they have no control over their fate. It's win. And then watch the Packers game. Okay. So wait, if they win. So if the Seahawks lose, the lions could get in, right? Yes. Correct. Okay. Lions get in with the win. If the Seahawks lose Seahawks must win and have the lions beat the Packers. So if the Seahawks win and the lions win the Seahawks and lions are in and the Packers are out. Is that what No, just the Seahawks are in, not the Seahawks and lions. Interesting. There's only one in both in both conferences. No, no. But there's, what if the Seahawks win and the Lions beat the Packers? Are they both in? See, no, no, no. There's only one spot up for grabs. The Giants right. have locked. Up okay. Spot. All right. All right. So the Giants. Have, how do the Lions get in? They need yeah. Seattle to lose, which is okay. why we said that they could be eliminated by the time uh, their game kicks off. Basically, the pecking order you can think of it as: Packers, they're just winning in. Seahawks, their Packers lose, winning in. Lions are everyone has to lose and they get in. All right. Uh, the Steelers of the NFC, as we call them. Hmm. Not confused at all. Um, speak, uh, I've all, only get, only know what I put for our final game. Hugh at end was LOL. I like to say LOL, but some people make fun of me when I say LOL. What about Raffle? L- LOL. Raffle. L Mao. L Mao. Yeah, those two, you never, you can never. I turned LOL into a word. I, mean, I think other people have. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- this is the worst game I think I've ever seen in the history. Yeah, of the well, both teams uh, want to lose desperately. They do. Except for you know the Texans actually want to win because they're so dumb. Yeah. Well, like, well, <laughs> Levy Smith is going to go renegade here and and just and and pour on the points against the Colts. Yeah. Because yeah, the, the the Texans do not have the number one seed, the number one pick locked up, right? It's like, them yeah. and the Bears, and uh, the, and the Bears, Bears are got news. The Bears are losing. Yeah, um, exactly. So the Texans, uh, I mean, they're losing with Nathan Peterman, right? So the Texans are not. Not dead to rights, number one seed. They obviously they get it with a loss, but a win and a very likely loss by the Bears flips it. Yeah, really bad news for the Texans is that they are better than the Colts, I think, especially with Sam Ellinger. I don't know, man. Um, I think they're better than the Colts. You, you know what this feels like, guys? It feels like Rex Burkhead season. I was, I was going to wonder if you guys were going to yeah. say anything. 
Yeah, I think I, I assume it's still. I mean, look, I got to be honest. I haven't been checking my Texan box scores lately. Is it not still Royce Freeman season? No, it's Daria Gumbawale season in week seventeen. Oh my um, god! Yeah, things <laughs> things have gotten quite dark <laughs> in, the, in the Texans backfield. Um, it but, might be like option four this weekend, for all we know. Yeah, I mean, Burkhead is. Uh, you know, interesting. I guess maybe if if he uh, if he's active and everything. But I I say Zach Moss is going to see twenty carries here. Okay, so. yeah. that's a good call. That's, that's a good call because yeah. I was thinking about like we we I literally just heard someone say on this show Daria Gunbowale season. We have less confidence in what's going on on the Houston side. It's you're right. It's Zach Moss isn't on the other side of the ball. It is. It is. It is. He might be the one. Yeah, one one player with any juice whatsoever in this game, and it's pure volume based juice because there will not be any big plays. And matchup. I mean, the Texans yeah, are true. horrific. That is true. Oh, they are against the against the rush. One of the worst ever run defenses. So, yeah. Wow. This game exists, and so did this show. But now it's over. Um, brings an end to our, our regular season preview shows. We're still going to preview all the playoff weeks. We're still going to break down week 18, I believe on Monday, no Sunday show this week. The Sunday sh- evening shows are over. We're going to recap it on Monday afternoon. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of great content for the playoffs. We have a bunch of great content for week 18. Denny and Kyle both have really good articles kind of about what's at stake this week. Like who's actually trying. Cause it is very confusing. So check out that stuff. Uh, really, really good stuff from Denny and Kyle. Lawrence still has his flex finder on the site for some flex type plays, either in, if your redraft league is still going or playing DFS, a useful article. Uh, myself, Matthew Barry, both have rankings on the website. Check that out. Uh, and just keep it locked to the news. A lot of lot of news this week, a lot of big news this week. So keep it locked onto the site. Thank you for listening to our preview shows all year. I'm saying as if they're ending. They're not. They're still staying for a while. But thank you for listening, uh, and we'll be back later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash.